Welcome to the Cosmic Goodie Bag here on Dash Talk X Radio. I am your host, Carla Cherry. Thank you for joining me. We are delving into the supernatural world, interviewing game changers, authors, ufologists, mediums, sacred sight junkies, even pet psychics. Why am I doing this? Sometimes it's the red pill. Sometimes it's the blue pill. Sometimes you just slip and fall down the rabbit hole and you get a timeshare there. Our mission is to expand our consciousness and find some personal power. Do you want some personal power? I'm tired of watching superhero movies. I want a little bit of that for myself. My guests have studied ancient texts, researched the supernatural, and so together, let's figure out what the heck they're talking about. Strap in. Billy Carson is the founder of ForbiddenKnowledge.com, the author of the Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. He's a regular guest expert on numerous TV shows like Ancient Aliens and Gaia TV's Deep Space. Carson is the co-founder of the United Family of Anomaly Hunters, the top UFO hunters in the world. Carson also earned the Certificate of Science with an emphasis on neuroscience from MIT. I can't wait to ask you about that. He's also a CEO of First Class Space Agency based in Fort Lauderdale, which is researching the developing alternative propulsion systems and zero-point energy devices. Can't wait to talk about that as well. That is a lot of stuff, Billy. But we're not done. He also runs several Instagram pages, including Forbidden Knowledge, which has over 900,000. A lot of you guys are joining us today. Thank you so much for joining us. You have an avid fan base. So excited to get in touch with everybody. And you've recently been engaged. You got engaged recently. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to Cosmic Goodie Back. For taking the time to have me on. It was great seeing you at the Conscious Life Expo. I'm glad that we were able to look up and get on this live today. Absolutely. Hearing you... And your talks and the after party was amazing. All of your, you, you're like the hot guy on the scene, man. You're on the scene and, and everybody's paying attention. So I want to ask you, how did you get into researching ancient aliens? Like, was there, was there a certain memory? Can you share us like a certain, share with us a certain memory from an early age that, you know, you knew like, oh, I'm a little bit different. Everybody, all the kids are over here playing with G.I. Joe and I'm, I'm doing this stuff. Yeah, uh, back in 1977, believe it or not, uh, we had moved to Florida and we lived close to the Opelika Airport. Uh, Now, this airport was a private airport. Uh, It's closed now, but uh, it it was at that time it was open. It's actually the airport that's in uh, one of the Bad Boys movies with um, Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. No way. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, uh, I would watch the airplanes fly over. Uh, in the backyard because I had nothing else to do. There were only three channels on TV. Okay. No cable TV, no Cartoon Network. You had to go outside and play. Right. Uh, so I was in the backyard, and one day when I was looking up in the sky, looking at the airplanes, I actually saw a orb, a glowing disc fly over. Okay, that's but different. That really amazed me. Yeah, <laughs> that got my attention. Mm-hmm. But it cleared the horizon in seconds, not minutes. You know, literally a plane will go over the horizon. Right. And from our perspective on on Earth, you know, it would take a while to go to clear. This just went shot right across. Wow. And I almost felt like, wow. what did I just see? But then it came back and hovered about 200, 250 meters above me. And then it shot back out the way that it came in. Now, when it stopped for that, like, three seconds or less, I saw that it wasn't an airplane. I mean, I'm only a kid at this time. Right. Okay? And I could tell that the airplane right. had wings, a fuselage, a tail, and everything else. <laughs> This didn't have that. Right. Now, keep in mind, the word aliens and UFOs and all that wasn't imprinted on my brain at that time because there was really no TV. Not even cable TV didn't even exist back then. Didn't didn't even come out till the 80s. So um, 
All I knew was whatever it was, it was something I had to go research and investigate. So I went to Rainbow Park Elementary right down the school from my house, <laughs> right down the street from my house. The school was right down the street. And uh, I took down all the Encyclopedia Britannicas on aerospace. Wow. And I wow. literally started researching in the first grade at Rainbow Park Elementary in the Britannica, all the aerospace books, trying to figure out what I saw. I know I saw it. It wasn't a complete circle, but it was more like an oval. And it glowed. Now I can, now knowing science, I I probably relate that glowing effect to probably some form of uh, um, heating of the atmosphere around the vessel itself. Because when you heat gases to a certain temperature, they emit photons, which would be light. So that's when people see a lot of these glowing orbs moving around, these massive orbs. They probably have a solid object on the inside. Wow. Did you tell your parents what they said? Uh, actually, I kept it pretty quiet. I did tell my mom um, mm-hmm. sometime later, probably a few months later about it. And that's when she sat me down and told me about the Nazca Lines, Machu Picchu, Peru, told me that there were ancient airports all around the world. And everything that we see now already existed in ancient times. And this is back a long time ago. My mom's telling me this stuff. Uh, you know, bless her soul, she's not with us anymore. But she told me this stuff way back when I was a little child. She knew all about it. So how did your mom know? I never asked her. I never asked. You know, she just really? knew knew really? about it. She just knew that uh, these ancient structures had to do with uh, advanced people and advanced technology. Wow. Um, there is a story wow. that I did get from uh, uh, her sister, who is okay. now unfortunately okay. getting ready to pass as well. Oh, wow. That when they were very oh, young wow. kids uh, in wow. St. Thomas, Virgin Islands, because some of my family had migrated from Puerto Rico to St. Thomas. Okay. And then my grandfather's side, which would have been her dad's side, uh, had left the, the British Virgin Islands to go to St. Thomas. And there was this megalithic structure, which is still there to this day, which I'm going to go visit next summer, where supposedly a very long time ago, our family members had took part in helping to build this structure. Supposedly, this was what my, my, my aunt doesn't know anything about forbidden knowledge, all this stuff that I do, the blogs, everything. She's very, she don't even have email or text messaging. She's, okay. just, she wanted to tell me this before she passed away. And also that her wow. and my mom had wow. lost time at the structure as children. They were taken away by these people um, in some type of a vessel uh, and then returned hours and hours later. And when you say uh, people, so, you mean people, people, or you mean ETs? Well, they look like us, or we look like them, okay. but they had much more advanced technology. Um, wait, 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 wait. And- let's back up. Let's back up. Your mom was taken. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom was taken into a structure when she was a kid. Yes, and she told you she the story. Kid. No, not my mom. Her aunt did. Her, aunt? My mom's dead, unfortunately. My mom passed away, but my her, her, my aunt is about to pass away, and she contacted and she- me and told me this was something she wanted to tell me before oh, she she just this told you that. Yeah. Yes. Wow. This is interesting stuff. Also, you know, when you look back now, I look after that happened, I started looking back and thinking about the things that my grandfather was involved in only with the eighth grade education. Um, you know, being able to uh, becoming a master architect, he designed the first launch tower for the uh, space shuttle. Really? Uh, he also, yeah. He was also called into Egypt to do the refurbishing on the Great Sphinx and the Great Pyramid. His team was called in to do that uh, back in the end of the 1970s, uh, early 80s. So. There's a lot going on here, you know, as I dig into the family history and look wow. at the photos and pictures. Wow. Working on a book about this now where I'm going to release some photos and information and so forth. And, uh, you know, hopefully I'll have it done by next summer. What's your dad's name? Billy. Same name. Yeah, wow. same name, yeah. Like, you don't just roll out just with this information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this stuff is passed on. I guess it's in my DNA. I guess it's in my DNA to do what I'm doing and to 
try to bring consciousness to the planet and yeah. to explore all of these ancient technologies and ancient wisdom and esoteric archetypes and so forth. So that's what I'm out here doing. I'm just trying to uh, fulfill my destiny. It's amazing. And we're very glad you're doing it. I want to ask you why a certificate of science with an emphasis on neuroscience at MIT? Well, you know, um, neuroscience is a very, very uh, phenomenal tool to use in marketing. When you're trying to do something like we're on a mission to raise consciousness, we need to be able to tap into the mindset and consciousness of people. Uh, and when I looked into neuroscience, I realized that was an area that I can utilize, that I can perfect or maximize to be able to grow my reach and to get my message out further and also tap into the consciousness of people on different levels. Okay. And understanding how okay. brains and minds work, not in the actual physical um, aspect of it where you're doing brain surgery, but in the neurological aspect of it where you're tapping into consciousness and understanding brain waves, frequencies, uh, how neurons work, how brain synapses work, how uh, different uh, chemicals in the body mm -hmm. uh, are and, and, and you know are changed with the different moods that you're in and so forth and so on and how that by putting out how the mainstream media puts out information mm -hmm. to trigger all these different uh, hormones and cortical stimulants and everything else in our bodies and through our brains and through our eyes and to get us to act the way that they want us to act and to, to really control us like puppets. Right. So I said, if I can yeah. learn the same tricks they've mastered. Genius. And to, 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 to basically trick people and to turn them into mental slaves, maybe I can use the same technology, the, main, the same neuroscience technology to free people. And that's what I've been trying to do. That's amazing. Can you give us like a little taste of that? Like what's one sample? Well, an example would be uh, my music, for, for example, uh, okay. Pantheon Elite Records. Okay. I started a record label not because I wanted to make money in, rec in music, because it's very hard to make a lot of money in music unless you have millions and millions of dollars behind you pushing it. Right. What I did was I said, with the neuroscience aspect of it, I'm going to take the, um, the music. I'm going to get beats that the kids love. Right. Kids meaning anywhere from the age right. of you know, 18 to 35 years old. Still a lot younger than me. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to uh, get those trap beats because the first thing you, you like in music is the beat. Right. You like the beat first. You don't right. know the words. If you've heard a song for the first time, you do, you do not know the words. You like the beat. Then what happens is, you start to learn the words and then mm -hmm. you start to remember the words. And now you're saying the words to the beat. Right. So I said, if I can right. get the beats that the kids love, then I can lace those beats with esoteric knowledge, ancient history, mm. conspiracies, advanced technology, all the information that I want to get out to the general public that I can't reach just because everybody doesn't know who the forbidden knowledge is. But through music, it can grow even bigger. Then I can get people starting to learn these terms and phrases. And next thing you know, they're saying, you know, what is Metatron's cube? Because they're saying it in the song. Now they're starting to remember these words like Metatron's cube. What, well, what is that? Now they're going to go to Google and they're going to Google Metatron's cube. Right. They're going to Google flower of life. They're going to Google seven chakras. Now they're learning. So I create researchers. So through aspects of neuroscience that I've applied to music, I've now created millions of researchers. Well, 5 million people downloaded the music in 2018. So I created 5 million new researchers in wow. 2018. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, so I have yep. to ask you, how does one start a space agency that's super badass, and what are you developing? <laughs> well, you can start, anybody can really start a space agency. There's actually thousands of them in, in America. Really? When people hear the term space really? agency, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. When people hear the term space agency, they think automatically that this guy's launching ships into space, but right. that's not so. You have your main ones, like Bigelow Aerospace, SpaceX, SpaceX. you know, uh, Northrop okay. Grumman, all these, you know, um, um, Branson, he's got mm -hmm. uh, Virgin Galactic. Now, these guys are launching actual vessels. 
But guess what? They need parts to put in those ships. They need computer-hardened microchips. They need uh, radiation-hardened uh, computer processing boards. Okay. They need you know everything from the wire on the fiber optics. They need the propulsion systems. They need uh, the filtration I... systems and air. All this stuff is provided by ancillary space okay. agencies, and also what NASA, the European Space Agency, and other space agencies look for as well are they're looking for research and development. So there's a lot of grants out there that are available to do research and development. Okay. Um, so there's ancillary um, needs that need, that are provided to space agencies. Okay. So basically, uh, you know, what I'm working on developing is zero point energy devices and alternative propulsion systems. And for example, we have a disc that that's uh, probably 24 inches in diameter, very small. Okay. And got a rotator ring on it and we put mercury into it. You know, wow. mercury that you can literally just buy online. I mean, really? to honest, easy to buy. It's not magnets. You, we buy the magnets online. Okay. And um, we do experiments with mercury and we're kind of rotating rings of magnetic fields. And we actually are able to create different levels of anti-gravity. Wow. Small scale. So when you scale it up, mathematically, you can figure out how much mass you can displace using this technology. And once you uh, calculate atmospheric pressures, so if you take um, mercury in a vortex and you apply 250,000 atmospheres to it at a 50,000 RPM, you can literally reduce the weight of almost any object by 70% with anything within that gravitational field wow. uh, that you create with the counter-rotating uh, magnetics. So, so these are the types of things that we're working on through research and development and trying to acquire grants for them. And we have engineers and everything that are pretty much on board now. We want to bring on more people. So we need the, the grant funding right. to the lab properly and get it all the way out there. But the, the reason why I got into this is because through this method, you can actually create something that the general population of the world can benefit from. Mm -hmm. So this is a science that can come out that maybe eventually pour over or spill over into the citizens of the world. Right. And a lot easier. Imagine uh, a, 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 um, an emergency fire engine or a um, EMS truck coming to the scene of an accident and the person's got to be lifted onto a gurney, mm -hmm. but they got no wheels and no legs. It's an anti-grav gurney and it can be easily floated up and, and put into the truck That's or awesome. move to the hospital very easily. You know, these different, so it's just all different aspects of this technology can be used a lot in a lot of different ways. So that's what we're developing. And with zero point energy, we're working on literally tapping into the vector equilibrium, which is, um, you know, if you go into, uh, you're looking at the 64 grid tetrahedron inside of the flower of life. Mm -hmm. it, it actually literally is a symbol for unlimited sources of energy that's directly available from the ether of space time itself. Did not know that. Yeah. So, so, so if you're, if you're doing zero point gravity, that means that you're creating energy just out of nothing. Isn't that highly illegal? And how are you able to do this? Well, the energy is already here. The energy is already all around us, in us, through us, and out of us. It's all. It's everywhere. It's it's every at every Planck unit within space time exists this level of energy that's literally unlimited. So we're living in the soup of energy right now. But what about people? I mean, the stories of people that um, oh, I I'm, I'm getting. A message yes, that my hair is messed up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let me get my hair straight. Um, so I'm, I've just heard so many stories about people that were trying to do free energy that got in trouble and mm -hmm. as well as killed. So how are you able to pull this off? 
Well, the thing is, you have to understand, they're trying to um, monetize the free energy. They're trying, they were trying to, first of all, um, take it to, to the market. Okay. Not what we're looking to do. We're doing something totally different. Where okay. We're actually looking to use research and development grant money to develop it. But at that point, at the point that it's developed, it's now well-known uh, information. And once it's peer-reviewed, can be literally released as schematics online. Okay. So we're not to say, okay, I want to sell this generator to a million people so I can make a hundred million dollars. We're not looking to take it to that level. We're okay. To, we're to basically make this information available. Tell us about the Vamanas. Like, aren't you kind of dealing, aren't you going back into ancient history and pulling from what was known as Vamanas, which were spaceships in, in ancient history, mm -hmm. ancient Vedic texts. Um, yeah. I just interviewed Serena Wright Taylor and she talked all about this. And, um, so where do those drawings come from? I, I see online all these drawings. It's kind of like an inverted, mm -hmm. like a like a cone. Mm -hmm. How did we find those drawings, and what are you doing with them, or what are you what are you doing with that? Yeah, the Indian Vedas were discovered literally out there in India. Uh, these ancient writings are from the Mahabharata and the Bhagavad Gita. Mm -hmm. Very well known texts that have not been. I can't even say discovered because they had been. Um, recopied over and over again and made made it, the information had been made public to the people of that area mm -hmm. for thousands and thousands of years. Mm -hmm. so really any truly hidden information. Matter of fact, there's the Mahabharata cartoon that comes on TV out there. <laughs> which teaches the whole story. Are you serious? To, yeah, I'm dead serious. The whole story to, to the kids. So wow. advanced beings, aliens, people with advanced spacecraft and these Vamana, these flying Vamanas is, is standard knowledge to people in India, the kids in India. It's not even like science fiction. Wow. Uh, but uh, these Vamanas were, were drawn in these manuals and almost like flight manuals where you would have the layout, the design of the Vamana, which was a flying vessel, mm -hmm. uh, which really resembled a capsule on top of Apollo 11. If you really take a look at Apollo 11 and look at a Vamana, now of course the oh. Apollo 11 capsule is much, much smaller. Right. The Vamana was also self-sufficient because it, had, it already had its own Mercury Vortex engine inside of it, which is what Hitler was trying to duplicate and replicate, uh, you know, back in the 1930s. Okay. With the Hanabu craft. So, you know, he also was researching and investigating the same information from the ancient Vedas. How do you, how do you know craft. that? How do you know that? Huh? How do you know that? Like, where did that information come from that he was? Oh, doing yeah, that? that's well-known information. It's well-documented. So I'm in a show called Deep Space on Gaia, mm -hmm. where we really went deep into the research on Hitler and the craft that he was producing. And a lot of the records that were brought over through mm. Project Paperclip that had been declassified and made public. There was a Hanabu 1 craft, Hanabu 2, Hanabu 3, and possibly a Hanabu 4. Wow. Hanabu 1, 2, and 3 were massive disc-shaped craft that can literally fly uh, through the air. Uh, using this um, anti-gravity rotator ring that was powered by mercury and some other secret serum, which nobody's truly has fully found out yet, or maybe they have, but it's been kept top secret. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, okay. it's really storming here. Sorry about the noise if it's uh, getting loud. It's raining. Um, so why is the government covering up the extensive ET contact that we've had? Well, the government's covering it up because, you see, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. Money. Money can be printed at will. Money means absolutely nothing, but power is everything. Okay. So if you have um, if you have control of space, you have control of this planet. And when I say control of space, I'm talking about control of all the satellites, control of, of the communications. Of course, the entire Gulf War was fought from space because all that information was transmitted 
from satellite back to the drones, and that's how they, you know, use the drones to attack targets and so forth and so on. So any other any other country that wants to come up against, for example, the military-industrial complex, uh, they would have to be able to take over control of space, which they don't have right now. Control of space is the key. And the reason why other countries who know about these things don't come forward and say, we know about advanced beings, we know about these ancient cultures that had this technology left behind and so forth and so on, is because if they do, they're, then they're going to get embargoes put against them. We have a lot of control over the trade routes across the entire planet as well. We secure, our military secures a lot of these trade routes. Our militaries secure and, and allow a lot of these trade situations to happen on water, also and on land. And uh, we have the ability to cut all that off. Just like, for example, there was a big time whistleblower, um, Nor, uh, Edward Snowden, right. uh, was trying to get extradited to a country in South America. And America went public on TV and said, if he's extradited there, we're going to cut off their their trade, their trade route. So this is the power that we have. Um, now, they don't want people to have the understanding and knowledge of all these advanced craft, potential weaponry. If we have knowledge of that stuff, then what happens is the general population is going to want to know more about it. They're going to want to know mm -hmm. why can it be utilized in our daily lives? How come it's being suppressed and oppressed? So knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Um, Absolutely. Who's really in charge? Like if you had to, to be honest with you, the Anunnaki still run this planet. Um, when you look at the blade, the way the bloodlines go, and you go to the um, the Oxford, the uh, Ashmolean Museum in Oxford, England, which okay. is where you find the Sumerian uh, kings list. This kings list talks about you know a handful of kings ruling over the earth for over a hundred thousand years. Um, some kings rule for fourteen thousand four hundred years. Some kings rule for twenty eight thousand eight hundred years. Some I mean the numbers are just out you know unbelievable. But this list. The Sumerian kings list can be traced back now then to the ancient kings of the land of Kem uh, before it was even called Egypt. Then from Kem, they can be traced into the Pharaonic dynasties all the way from the first dynasty to the last. And then from there, it can be traced into when the, the pharaohs were migrating across from Egypt through the desert back up, in, uh, or up into Europe. You can trace this bloodline all the way to the, what they call the Plaginet bloodline, which takes you up to John Lackland. And people say, well, how did we go from you know, because when you look, I've been to Egypt and I've been to the to the tombs. How do people, how do pharaohs go from being black to uh, to brown to then white? Mm -hmm. And pharaohs who migrated after the defeat behind Alexander the Great migrated across these, these royal families across the deserts and mating over time with different races. By the time they got to Europe, the races were pretty much all white. Don't forget as well, during the dynast dynastic era, Greeks ruled over Egypt at a particular point and mated with the people there. Again, furthermore, adding more DNA to the gene pool and mixing the gene pool. So you have to understand the true history and you have to be there and you have to go there and see the etchings and, the, and, the, and the, read the hieroglyphs and see what's going on here. The races changed over time. And, and then it, eventually out of England, you have the Plaginet bloodline, which is John Lackland's bloodline. And when you look at that bloodline and you see that it's every single president of the United States of America is directly related to John Lackland in the Plaginet bloodline. He's the great, 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 great grandfather, including Donald Trump, including uh, Obama. Uh, Obama's, it's all done through the mother's bloodline. Obama's mother is Stanley Ann Dunham. She's directly related by blood. This can be pulled up on Jenny.com, genealogy.com, any of any major genealogy site. And I'm not the only one that has researched it and figured it out. Uh, there's uh, many people that have come forth, including Dick Cheney, who's uh, Obama's cousin. Really? Uh, 
So yeah, Obama's cousin, his wife wrote a book about it and she did the whole genealogy as well. So we're talking about a very ancient bloodline that still runs and controls this planet till this very day. Obama and uh, Hillary Clinton are cousins, openly admitted. That's a video that I have on Forbidden Knowledge, as a matter of fact. Really? Obama and Bush openly admitting on video that they're cousins. Everybody's cousins and, and, and of one another. It's just it's one big family tree. So whenever you want to know who's going to be the next person, it's kind of dark in here all of a sudden. You want to know who's going to be the next person elected, all you have to do is say who's in the bloodline. And when you figure out who's in the bloodline, you'll find out who potentially can be the next president of the United States. It's never going to be the other people that run for office. And they know that they're not going to be a president because they're only running for one reason, to raise campaign funds. You see, when you run for president, you get a campaign fund that goes into a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Even don't become president. Whatever money's left in that campaign fund, you get that money to keep. Wow. <laughs> oh, you know, I might run for president. Right. That's like a GoFundMe, like a super GoFundMe. Um, yeah. Uh, so, okay. So you don't, a lot of people are talking about deep state and that Donald Trump is, you know, like, do you, do you follow any of that Q stuff? And no, uh, no, I don't follow this. Okay. You don't, I, you don't. I've listened to it. I've researched it. Now, I, before I didn't research it, now I really dug into it. I mean, there's a lot of good information on the Q map, which was done by a gentleman. I love the Q map. It's, it's an amazing piece of work. I just interviewed uh, him. He was my last interview before you. Okay. Yeah. Mr. Conspiracy. Uh, yeah. A master conspiracy. Yeah. Yes, master conspiracy. Yeah. I love his, I love his artwork and, and, and what he's done with those maps. Amazing stuff. I mean, a lot of content on there that I could, that could just freelance and talk about. Right. But I just don't believe that there's a savior right now on this planet called Donald Trump. I don't think that he, <laughs> um, for a personal opinion, I have nothing against him. I just fact that he's in the bloodline and I really truly believe that politrix, politics are really poly tricks. Okay. I decided to exit the matrix a very long time ago. And so mm -hmm. when I go to the voting booth in four years, every four years that I go, I post it on my accounts. I, I vote for myself because I am my own president. Okay. I don't believe in presidents. I don't believe that anybody should be believing in any kind of president. It's just my personal opinion. I hope I don't offend anybody, but I just really truly do believe that um, they're not here to serve us like they're supposed to be. I really truly believe that um, mm -hmm. it's the way around. They're using us to serve them at some, to, to what end? you know, fully. Um, I don't really know, but it's like 7.5 billion people at some point in my, in my mind have to say, stop, it's over. Right. I'm buying gas, stop going to work, stop paying your mortgage payments, stop paying all your loans back, <laughs> stop, stop everything, take all your money out of the bank. And if, if 20 or 30 million people did that at the same time, we've collapsed the system in one week wow. and we can fresh, we can start over, we can negotiate. They have to negotiate with us what we want, not what they want. <clears throat> but we have to have enough conscious people on the planet that ain't that are not a scared or not afraid to uh to stop doing that. I mean, right now, I would stop in a heartbeat, but what about the other 160 million adult Americans that have a job that aren't gonna do it? So it has to be a certain level of consciousness that has to be reached on this planet. And when we have enough people and uh, on the same frequency, and we say, okay, guys, next Monday, we're saying no, game is over for them. No to everything. We're not doing anything, we're not even leaving our houses. What are they going to do? Foreclose on <laughs> 50 million houses, lock up 50, 100 million people for not paying taxes. Once you take all your money out of the bank, it's over for them anyway, instantly. Forget it. Just cancel. Just collapse the system in one week. That's my that's my plan. I love it. OK, so wait, but let's let, let's talk about like baby steps, because that's a big plan. <laughs> baby steps. <laughs> I think people, you know, I, I like to encourage people to start working for themselves. That's like number one um, What's a baby step towards that. Instead of just... Our baby step is research. Okay. The biggest problem we have right now on this 
planet is poor research. Everybody wants everything instant. They want instant information. Instant. They think that my Instagram account is going to teach them everything. That's a re- that if you if you think that my Instagram account is literally going to teach you everything you need to know by a post of 2,200 characters, come on now. When I post something, it's to trigger you with enough cue keywords and enough information. Mm-hmm. You can go now and research it for yourself and start really digging. But I'm not talking about a couple of quick Google searches. I'm talking about research, right? Real research and investigation looking at multiple different sources, sources that you even mainstream. People say, why are you looking at, why are you look at CNN? Why are you reading the Bible? Why I'm taking information from everywhere. I want all the information okay. so I can break it all down, take what out, what doesn't insult my soul, piece it all together and figure out what's really going on out here. And when people start doing that, we'll have a different change in consciousness. Well, now what about people who say, well, you know, Hey, I'd love to do that, but I've got three kids I'm working two jobs. Like, what do you say to them, to those people? I mean, cause I feel they like everybody's time. overworked, you know, everybody's tired. They have the time. <laughs> <laughs> no excuse. Time. No excuses. We, we, all, like we all have things that we do that, that it's in the, the, the key word behind that is called sacrifice. Okay. I really truly want to find out what's going on. If I really want to raise my consciousness to another level then I'm going to sacrifice bowling night, I'm going to sacrifice a club day. I'm going to sacrifice, TV night, I'm going to sacrifice something so I can dig in for at least four or five hours a week out of my life. Okay. I'm going to sleep an hour less a day. I don't need to sleep for eight hours. Right. Eight hours for what? Sleep for six. Sleep when you're Research. dead. Okay. Exactly. What is the goal? Like everybody talks about ascension. Are we ascending? Do you believe that? Yes, absolutely. When I started my research back in the 70s, and put together a very small handful of, of, of kids that we would hang out in this back bush area where we built a clubhouse and talk about spaceships, are aliens real? Uh, you know, what's really going on out here? And it was just a handful of us. And we literally had to meet in private to talk about this stuff. We couldn't really everybody else because they thought they would think we were psychopathic and crazy. People still think that. People still think that. We still you... think it, but not as much. Not but as much. I saw it go from private meetings to exchanging VHS tapes with conspiracies and stories <laughs> to cassette tapes, then to exchanging CDs, then to DVDs, then to web forums, now websites, blogs, and now social media. And I can hear people in restaurants now talking about mm-hmm. extra life, talking about ancient megalithic pages, talking about conspiracies. I can hear them denouncing uh, this, this uh, oligarchy ruling government elite group that we have running, ruling over us and trying to destroy us. And I can hear people now openly saying this stuff, whereas before it was always something they kept private. Right. Uh, you know, also the incidences of people talking about being abducted, having lost time. Right. And the encounters has risen to the multi-millions. Right. Multi-millions in the last few years. Let me ask you, what was your, so you, you told us about your first experience where you saw the orb. Mm-hmm. Have you had contact with ET since? Yeah. So how, how regular, or can you share us a well, story? Well, in 2010, it was a very, yeah, in 2010, it was a very rare, very weird situation. I was working on a project, uh, which was featured on the History Channel called Fort. Called what? And this Fort oh. Nova project, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a underground city, really. It holds, it can, hold, it can save the lives of 360 people. It's built underground in northwest Georgia in an undisclosed location, close to Elberton County. Wait, 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 wait. And, you were working there? No, I built it. I was building it. I was working on the project. In other words, I was developing the project and researching for it to have it built. An underground city. 
Yeah, 360 people can live there for one year off the grid, totally off grid. Yeah, my yeah, it was a, it's a huge project. It was on the History Channel uh, back in 2012. Okay. Called an episode called uh, Countdown to Apocalypse Nostradamus episode. Okay. Pulled up online. You can actually watch the full episode online for free. Okay. And um, so I built this underground city and um, it was because I was doing research on the procession of the equinoxes and discovering through that research that we were probably uh, orbiting another star in our solar system and potentially could be headed towards another geological disaster sometime in the near future. So I wanted to start an underground shelter for my own personal family, but then I realized I don't have enough talent to be able to bring to the table to have all the aspects of what I would need to, to build a small community. I figured if I started a shelter system where I can recruit people that had special talents, turbine diesel engine generators, security specialists, computers, program specialists, teachers, trainers, all this stuff, and bring them all, dentists, doctors, we even have dentists wow. and doctors, so all these people bring them all together under one roof and say, okay, this is our, this is our survival uh, community. Uh, so I did that and built it, and uh, it, uh, we finished it. And, um, but during that process is when I was at my house one day after a long day of work, just sitting down, I just turned on ESPN for a couple of minutes to watch some sports updates at about 9 p.m., and that's when I had an interaction with the, well, the room turned lavender, first of all, kind wow. of purplish. And I thought boys were playing a trick on me. When I turned over my left shoulder, they were, my kids weren't there. When I turned back, there were two gray aliens in my face, uh -huh. or what I assumed to be gray aliens. They didn't speak to me with words or languages. Like people say, you know, they heard telepathic language. I didn't hear any of that. Well, I did, but my brain started shaking in my skull. I tried to scream and no sound was coming out. And just as soon as it started, it stopped and they kind of, I don't even want to call it walked out. They kind of dangled out. They, they don't walk like a normal person had, like a, like a walk gate, like a gate like we do. They have this angle. It was very bizarre. Did they go through and, the door? Um, Are they, going, yeah, so that, they went through the door or they went through the wall? They went through the wall. Okay. They went right through the wall. Yeah. No drugs were involved. So you were telling so, me you had an encounter. There were two aliens in your room they were gray and they <clears throat> they did they telepathically communicate with you or did, did you exchange what they thoughts? did was bizarre because my brain literally was shaking in my skull wow <clears throat> i mean <clears throat> the pain was so uh, my asthma's been acting up <clears throat> the, the pain was so harsh mm. that um it made me want to feel like i wanted to vomit it was that bad uh but with only, only maybe you know 30 seconds, 15 seconds, I guess, somewhere in that range. It ended and they left. Now, after they left is when something very strange happened to me. This is where how I got into anomaly hunting. <clears throat> this word that they, I'm assuming they did it because I don't know where it came from, was burnt into my brain called Worldwide Telescope. Wow. So Worldwide Telescope, over and over and over again, thousands of times this kept coming up in my mind. This is, you know, within, a, how long. within a certain amount of time. Yeah, like like within a couple of hours. It just kept the going next through day, your brain. And, right, over and over. So I guess it's yeah, 2010. So I started, I think it was Excite.com is what it was. It wasn't Google because Google wasn't live yet or maybe it had just started. But I think I went on Excite.com and I Googled Worldwide Telescope. And what happened was the, um, the website popped up, which is WorldwideTelescope.org. I clicked on it and it was software that you can download on your, com your computer. Wow. I was like, wow, this is crazy. You can see all the space probe data from all the missions we've sent out to all the different planets, moons, and even Mars. The first thing I was drawn to was the Mars rover mission. Uh, I mean, Mars panorama, I'm sorry, Mars panorama Voyager. 
uh, data, and I looked in there and I saw what looked like a pyramid and a sphinx. And I'm going, what in the world is this doing here? It's called the Presidential Panorama. It's actually hosted, I think it's on PennsylvaniaED.edu's main site. It's been up there for decades, a couple of decades, I guess. Uh, but uh, it's an amazing panorama that's available. And when you look at it and zoom in, you start to see things that don't look like rocks. And that's what got me into anomaly hunting. So I, from there, I started Now, also, another thing that I did was when I was doing the procession, I was researching the, the movement of stars across the sky and realizing that procession was speeding up by about 2,000 years, which is a big deal. That means we're, our sun is orbiting something. When I got into this data, I was able to track into the constellation of Leo pointing out towards where the Sphinx points um, and look out there and go into two-mass infrared mode, and then I saw a brown dwarf star, the wow. same one that they had been talking about that they discovered, they thought they discovered in 1983, they meaning the government, uh, before they turned down that satellite system. And then they started up a new system called the WISE satellite system, which they've been able to now officially document that it's real and it's there. Last year, they came up with an actual astronomer, uh, uh, astrophysicist that has showed the documentation where it's located, what speed it's traveling, and how it orbits our sun. So we have a solar system within our own solar system. We have something just outside the orbit of Pluto, but inside the Oort cloud. It's called the inner Oort cloud object, and it's an actual mini solar system in our solar system. And I was able to track this in Worldwide Telescope all the way back in 2010. Wow. Okay. So, uh, and I took it, pictures of it. Matter of fact, it was just featured on uh, Edge of Wonder. The original photo was just featured on Edge of Wonder's YouTube channel. It's a great show. So, all the stuff down that I've been talking about from a long time ago is just now coming to fruition and coming to pass, or they're really starting to, I guess, leak it out and make it well known. But that was an incident that I had that um, there was the last one that I had that, um, you know, really sparked my interest in. Uh, space anomaly hunting, which is now I'm the you know, president of United Family of Anomaly Hunters, and um, we've made the news many times. Our research has been used on ancient aliens, and of course, uh, deep space on Gaia. And um, now, potentially, I'm you know, hoping to get on board with um, a couple other uh, new shows that are coming out very soon. And also, I'm on two new shows coming out on the Travel Channel, which will feature some of my research as well. Amazing. So, when you say hunters, how are you hunting UFOs? We pull down data. So what we do is we go into the official public record and we pull down, we've pulled down now over 1 million publicly available images. This Im All these images are available through, through the Freedom of Information Act. Well, initially it was supposed to be given directly, but it wasn't until that was forced on them. Mm -hmm. But now anybody can go to these sites. We provide all the access links to where anybody in the world, because we want people to go there and get the Im yeah. images themselves downloaded. We've downloaded over 1 million images, wow. 14 of us, 14 wow. of us in this group. Amazing. And we've now, uh, yeah, uh, it took a lot of work. We documented 58,000 anomalies uh, out of the 1 million. In other words, Thousand. objects out there in space or on other planets and moons that we've collected data on, that we have images of, that do not belong with the surrounding terrain. In other words, we look at these objects and we say, this object has geometry. This object uh, appears almost to be biological. It mm -hmm. appears to be an object that we might be able to even recognize if we were able to say what, it, what we think it might be. It doesn't match the surrounding terrain. It doesn't look like it was naturally formed, in other words. It's out of place. And we've documented so many of them that they've been featured on many, many shows now. Uh, and a lot of uh, mainstream scientists have looked at these things, and they're scratching their head going, this is absolutely incredible. What are these things doing here? So... Um, there's remnants of an ancient civilization all over this uh, solar system. So, so where can people see that? And what's one of the craziest things you've seen? You can see it on, uh, if you go to Facebook, 
uh, and go to UF, UFAH official or go to Instagram and go to underscore U, I'm sorry, go to U underscore F underscore H underscore uh, UFAH, U, uh, UFAH with underscores, I don't know. <laughs> it's on Instagram. Okay. U, UF, yeah, UFA, UFAH, it's okay. there. You'll find a lot of crazy photos there that we've pulled down with the source links to them uh, and the full credit given to the hunter that found it. And the craziest thing that I've seen were what looked like this couple that were literally huddled together. This was on um, many TV shows, almost as if they were like, like, like Pompeii on Earth, kind of explosion, but they were huddled together and it looks like they just died right there. You can make out their full faces, eyes, nose, mouth, not even like a question. It's not even like it's hazy or we can't really see it. It's like I'm looking at you on this screen right now. The same way I see your faces, the same way you can see their faces. Their bodies are kind of huddled over and kind of leaning to the side. Uh, and where did you see it? The limbs look a little mutated. Where was it? That is uh, from the Mars Curiosity, Mars Curiosity rover. Wow. I don't have the exact soul number right now, but it's probably sold like uh, 1126 or something like that. And uh, it's a well-documented image that's on all of our different accounts on our website too as well so so i want to um, ask you, you know check it out yes definitely like I said, go to, check yeah, it out go we're going to put that in the sh- we'll put that in the show notes we'll put that all that stuff in the um in the video all this this what we're doing right now is being recorded and it will be a video on cosmic goodie bags youtube page um and also if you guys are on and uh link up and follow cosmic goodie bag and i will be putting this link up within the next couple of days for this video so that everybody can check it out and i'll try to go and um, do some research on your page and uh, add the photos in so people can actually see the photos. So that, so Great. give them like a visual for this. So tell me about your book, The Compendium of the Emerald Tablet. The Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. Through all the research that I've gone into, I've read now over a thousand books in my lifetime, uh, mostly on ancient history and technology. Those are my two topics because I really do believe that the technology and ancient history go together hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And through that uh, research, I got into the Sumerian tablets, which I read a lot of the, the important Sumerian tablets myself. Anybody can read the Sumerian tablets. You don't have to be a special person with those languages. All you have to do is go to the UCLA CDLI Cuneiform Library, wow. take a stone off the shelf and drop it into the virtual translator, and you can translate the stones for yourself and read them yourself. You don't, you don't need to be a magician. It just takes time. <laughs> Uh, Thank you for I've telling people that. Yes, yes, absolutely. They need to know because everything, oh, the Zachariah Sitchin was the only person that knew about it. No, no, it's this tablets that Zachariah Sitchin translated uh, were some of the newer ones that were just recently found out of Iraq, but nothing ancient. The Enuma Elishan, the Seven Tablets of Creation, the Atra Aces Epic, the Epic of Gilgamesh, that stuff was translated hundreds of years before he was even born. Wow. He wasn't even thought of yet. All he did was write books about what was already translated hundreds of years before he was even born. Okay, so we're just, we've got some questions coming up right now. I've got a question about vaccines. Are they a good or a bad thing? Vaccines are a very bad thing. I don't agree with vaccines whatsoever. Um, Just me personally with my own kids, they were not vaccinated. And all of my kids who are now adults uh, turned out to be Division One athletes and state champs. So yeah. I proved that uh, you don't have to have vaccines to be a healthy individual because a lot of the kids that were vaccinated were unfortunately um, didn't make it to those levels in sports, if, and, and I'm sure that they would have loved to. Um, you know, one of the things that I noticed that did happen directly in my own family was when my daughter got to the UN University of North Carolina at Greensboro, mm-hmm. the coach at the time decided to make them, um, them meaning the team, get uh, flu shots 
And she called me very frantic and very scared because, you know, she had never been vaccinated and she doesn't want to put anything poisonous in her body. Mm-hmm. I told her, don't do it. And she was put under a lot of pressure from the coaching staff and the um, administrators there to get this flu shot. The whole team was, and they ended up getting it because they were told that if they didn't get it, they couldn't play. And she was starting as a freshman, which is very hard to do in college in a Division One wow. level sport. So she did it. And guess what happened? The whole starting five was hospitalized. She was hospitalized, almost died from a flu shot. That's crazy. Again, proving that they're doing nothing but injecting poison into people. Uh, and the sad part about this is they had their first losing season and they never fully recovered that season. Uh, my daughter, truthfully, even though she played an additional four or five years of basketball after that, never fully got back up to me, in my opinion, the full strength that she had when she went in. So really, it's a, yeah, she still act, you know, very, uh, gets a lot of colds, gets very sick to this day, gets pains in her body all the time. And now she's 28. Wow. You know, so um, it's just like, wow, what what in the world was in that shot? You know what I mean? What was in there that just t- can take you out for the rest of your life? Oh, yeah. Hopefully she recovers. And But it's just been a long road to, to get to this point. And uh, I think that a lot of people don't realize that a lot of babies are you know, getting in a high increase in autism, not at birth, but after the first round of shots, they're right. developing this autism. And uh, this, to me, is more proof that these shots, are full and laced with poison, something that the baby cannot handle, can't process, mm-hmm. you know, in the brain, which is causing these deformities to occur. And then I had a very close experience to me, uh, unfortunately, a very good friend of mine named Victor, who's a very close friend and a business partner in a couple other businesses that I uh, did with him. And uh, his daughter, after one year, went and got around the shots and uh, became had a vaccine injury and then died, wow. which we... Yeah, it was very unfortunate. We had to put the GoFundMe and everything on Forbidden Knowledge, as a matter of fact, to help raise money for the funeral. That's crazy. Um, so that was a very, very bad situation. And then the worst part about it is there were five doctors involved with this case, and none of the doctors would sign the death certificate. Really? He had to go to court to get his daughter's death certificate signed so that he can, you know, it's just crazy, so he can, you know, get her buried and everything else and, you know, you know, do the insurance and everything because... Why wouldn't they sign they, it? Nobody wanted to, Nobody wanted to take the blame for the poison. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's why. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> can I ask you real quickly about the 5G? Mm-hmm. Yes. What, so we have a question coming through about 5G. Is it good? Is it bad? And, then, and, and how is it bad? And how can you protect yourself? 5G is not good. I mean, 4G is not good. You know, 3G wasn't good either. 5G is really um, not good because it's a very high frequency of, of microwaves and these microwaves. A lot of people don't really understand how cell phones work. Cell phones work through what they call cell sites. And these cell sites literally are these towers that are located around different cities and areas in the shape of a cell, most usually in an octagon. And as you drive or move through the area, your cell phone signal jumps from cell to cell, from tower to tower, I'm sorry, inside of the cell, mm-hmm. using a microwave signal, this microwave frequency. A 5G frequency is like a super amped up high power frequency that allows you to be able to transfer data back and forth much faster and can handle a lot more calls at once Mm -hmm. uh, because of the level of the frequency. But the side effect of that is is more effect on human DNA, more effect on brain waves, uh, more effect by causing potential malignant uh, tumors or cancerous tumors, and also the fact that if you have the technology, you can send information uh, on a piggyback on one of these microwaves. So 
as the microwave is flowing away from the uh, cell tower and back into your receiving device, whether it's a tablet or a phone mm-hmm. or a computer, most likely they're using it uh, on a cell phone. This uh, this this wave as it's coming back, the the you know anybody with bad intent can literally drop on top of that wave information, information that will make you think you're hearing voices in your head. That's crazy. Information that can trigger you to carry out different objectives that they may have, whatever those agendas may be. Uh, you know, um, information that will make if you if you're a a former MK Ultra type of a um, person that mm-hmm. had been gone through some of those trainings before and maybe had part of your memory wiped, which you know the government is still doing according to the declassified FBI documents, wow. it could send a trigger down your wave to trigger you back into action to wow. act out covertly some type of a black budget or a dark uh, you know, action that you may not even be aware that you're doing. So all of these things are, cap- are possible with, with 5G on top of getting sicknesses and cancers and tumors and everything else. You know, So it's just not a good thing at all. I mean, there's lots of different ways that you can utilize or create a communication signal without using microwave, but because there's so much money in the microwave technology and the way that it has to be set up, it's just like the oil. There's so much money in oil, they don't want to get away from it because oil is in everything. It's in your cell phone case. It's in your the drug the water that you drink out of. It's in uh, the dashboard of your car. It's in it's in the pesticides that they spray on your food. It's it's in you know it's not just in your gas tank. Well, these cell phone towers are have now funded or are responsible for keeping in business so many thousands of companies around the uh, maybe even millions by now around the world that they don't want to get away from. But we really need to get away from cell phone. Uh, using microwave technology to to power to uh, you know do communication devices uh, on cell phones is really not a good thing. That's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that information. Uh, hey, first of all, thanks for having me on. This was great. I'm I'm glad we were able to get this done. Um, Absolutely. For people who are looking for information about me, just type in forbidden knowledge with the number four four b i d d e n k n o w l e d g e forbiddenknowledge.com. Uh, you can also just Google the word forbidden knowledge that way. And all of my music, my apps, my my websites and blogs will all pop up there in the search engine for you. And my new book, Compendium of the Amber Tablets, is available right now. Volume number two is out for release. You can find it on forbiddenknowledge.com. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And um, we got we have to do this again. It's so much information yeah. and so much knowledge, and people need to know about this stuff. And I just want to thank you for doing all this research. You've, you're a national treasure, and I'm I'm so glad that you're getting all this stuff out into the world. So thank you. Thank you. So that's our show for today. Thanks for joining me. This has been Cosmic Goodie Bag on Dash Talk X Radio.